Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. <laughs> I just learned something. Oh, I'm having fun now. Let's say this podcast reaches the maximum amount of audience. I'm going to get a PR person because I say the wrong thing. Like frequently. Right. Like a reflex. No, no, I, I'm aware. Yeah. And so do you, but only around apparently cops. So you're good. <laughs> like if you ever get arrested, call our PR guy and you're good to go. I, I don't drink tequila anymore. All right, Duncan. Yo! This episode is going to be the second in our Scandal series. No, the third. I love oh, Is it second? Third? I've lost we track. We did music in Hollywood, right? Uh, those were combined. Well, no, they're separate episodes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I've lost track, so fuck it. <laughs> so this one is uh, Scandal's TV edition. <laughs> All right. I'm down. <laughs> you seem excited. Is there a particular TV scandal that you have in I, mind? There's an ongoing cycle of things I ignore. I'm almost hearing tabloid articles cycle through my brain. like Yeah, like a Rolodex. I guess. The nice thing is that you won't probably know about many of these because you don't pay attention to that version of pop culture. No. And some of them I didn't know about. Anyone who's into pop culture will probably have heard about the basics of these, and we're mm. going to go a little deeper. Mm. So you would think celebrities would understand cancel culture by now. Well, definitely by now. Fuck. Yeah. But apparently there's something addictive about posting stupid, offensive, inflammatory shit online. And, you know, honestly, I have sympathy for celebrities that are getting canceled for things they said 10 years ago. That's just ridiculous. It is. Like people digging stuff up from the past, especially if we know that they've changed and they're, they're different people than they were when they were young, which most of us are. Dude, if you dug up some of the shit I said or did when I was 17 or 16... Yeah, I'd be in jail. That's not a challenge, by the way, don't Yeah, <laughs> that's not, please don't do that. It will only harm both of our relationships. You and I grew up before there was really a social media. Yeah. And luckily, most of the stupid things I said were to you. Or around me. Yeah. Yes. And ditto. Once I met you, I was just like, oh, a fucking heat sink for my dum-dum. And that's why this works, because it's yes. like mutually assured destruction. It's yes. like we both have <laughs> the, the news. There's no way I'm ever fucking releasing a, a tell-all book, because it's like, this just makes both of us look bad. But in this day and age, there is no excuse for firing off crazy messages and engaging in flame wars when you know that your job is on the line. Unless you're the president, in which case, have at it, because yeah, apparently. clearly he's untouchable. Son of a bitch. And, you know, whether you like the situation or not, when it comes to the culture wars, is pretty much irrelevant. The question is just, do you like your job? Yeah. Adam Richman had a great job. The man got paid to eat. He had not one but two TV series, Man Finds Food and Man Versus Food. I feel like I know about Man Versus Food. Apparently this man had an antagonistic relationship with food. Yeah. Or at least a complicated one. Wasn't he, like, brunette, kind of chunky? Sure. It all started with a hashtag. Mm. He posted a picture of himself wearing jeans that were excessively baggy, apparently to illustrate his recent weight loss. Mm. And one of the hashtags that he posted was Thinspiration. That's inflammatory? Yeah, it's a controversial hashtag because it glorifies the idea of being thin. And I do get how that's problematic because you can be thin without being healthy. A lot of skinny people are anorexic and super unhealthy. Like inspiration. I'm not inspired by the idea of being thin. I want to be inspired by the idea of being healthy. Yeah, okay, I can see he might have just misexpressed an idea like, hey, all of you who are trying to get thinner, 
here's your inspiration. I get where you're coming from because hashtags are boiling down complicated sentiments into Fuck boiling down. They're distilling. They're like, I'm going to quadruple that's what, distill. That's what boiling is. Those are like the same things. But it is. It's taking a really complex and nuanced issue. Yeah. And then boiling or distilling it down to a little uh, soundbite. Right. Yeah. That, that loses all of that nuance. Did anyone actually ask him like, hey, how do you feel about people who are just kind of thick but happy and healthy? Right. Pretty sure they didn't. Pretty sure they were just like, um, actually. At the same time, he's a celebrity, you know, and he does have to be careful with what he says and how it comes across if he's pushing the skinny agenda. He's, <laughs> he's working for big skinny. <laughs> and he's, he could influence people. So it's Thin a, gate. Got it. <laughs> it's a tough issue. Yeah. Regardless, so some people on Instagram called him out, and here's where the real problem is. Mm. It's okay. Not we weren't at the real problem. That's no. news to me. Okay. No, the problem wasn't that he posted the inspiration. It is problematic, arguably, mm. but the problem is when you get to the arguably, it's how you argue. Touche. Because <laughs> his clapbacks mm. were disproportionate. What are clapbacks? His responses. Oh, okay. First off, he used the acronym Dilligaff, Do I Look Like I Give a Fuck, mm. and called one of his critics a cunt. Okay, so less than empathetic and or conversational. That was first gear. Ouch. That was like level one. Like when the C word is your opening gambit, strap in. <laughs> and again, this is a guy with a social media platform right. with a voice. Yeah. Like, unless you're from Glasgow or from Edinburgh, like, you don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on. Maybe an Australian city, like, you know, Jim Jeffries is a big fan of the Sea World, and that's great. But it's true. As an American, it's yeah, different. you. Mm. So he continued mm. Eat a bag of shit, dummy. No apology is coming. If it inspires someone to attain a healthy, thinner body, then that's what it was meant to do. The only fuck up, it seems, was your dad's choice to go without a condom. Okay. And, like, there's an attempt at a legitimate defense in there, but when you're in an argument and you invoke your opponent's parents having sex in round one, there's really no salvaging that. No. People are always like, everyone gets so offended so easily these days. How do we know where the line is? That's the line. Your, your parents' sex life. You towed it. <laughs> That's it's a good find there, buddy. So he followed that zinger with, seriously, grab a razor blade and draw a bath. I doubt anyone will miss you. All right, what did the person write to him? Does it matter? I mean... I read some of the back and forth, and yeah. the other people were being jerks. Okay. Sure. Okay. I have no sympathy for this guy. Because when you are a celebrity, mm -hmm. you signed up for this. Like, mm. you need to be better. Because other people are not not to blame. Right. But he's the one who had a lot to lose. Right. So and in this situation... Lose, yeah. he did. Right. And so in this situation, to me, that's, man, did you run this by your PR guy? Like, do you have one? I figure with that level of fame, at least you have somebody on retainer. You're like, hey, so I'm in this Twitter battle. And that's what we've seen in all of these scandals. Yeah. It's rich people. How do you not know better? And how do you not have someone else on your payroll who knows better? Let's say this podcast reaches the maximum amount of audience. I'm going to get a PR person because... I say the wrong thing, like frequently. Right. Like a reflex. 
No, no, I, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so and so do you, but only around apparently cops. So you're good. Like if you ever get arrested, call our PR guy and you're good to go. I, I don't drink tequila anymore, so I, I still don't better. trust you even sober. <laughs> Point being, I could have seen him being like, Well, okay, so my screwing up my hashtag doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Yeah. And like that being your comeback. Fuck you, I'm shutting down Twitter for the day. Right. That probably wouldn't have gotten him fired. Fuck you all is an acceptable response. Yeah. Kill yourself. No one will miss you. Your dad shouldn't have come and your mom. Like, yeah, it's the, you've kind of gone a little low there. You're punching down. Yeah. yeah. That's off the rails. Yeah. So that's basically a career seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of ironic because he was encouraging someone to commit suicide while committing career suicide. Right. Only without the honor because you said seppuku, which is the honorable way out. Well, Not so much. Well, it's the assisted way out. Yeah. And I mean, somebody, you got to have a second. The Travel Channel happily assisted with his career seppuku. <laughs> he drove the blade into his career gut and, and they, they provided but with the, katana. <laughs> the career <laughs> decapitation. <laughs> Let's move on to Paula Dean. Oh, boy. Oh, Paula Dean, TV chef, celebrity, purveyor of oily, buttery foods and heart disease and racism. All the most delicious vices. Um, well, you got two out of three there. I don't know about you. I personally not a big fan of the N-word. Mm. Uh, my girlfriend's African-American. I think it's fair to say I'm a little sensitive. But look, if you are a racist piece of crap, here's my advice. At least don't be a stupid racist piece of crap. Yeah, this is the philosophy you and I have carried throughout our lives, or at least our friendships together. If you're going to be a criminal, be a smart criminal. Yeah. If you're going to be something negative, at least be intelligent about it. Don't broadcast. Don't put it out there where everyone can tear you to shreds. Just do your thing quietly. Yeah, I find the stupidity doubly offensive. Yeah. Like, if someone asks, have you ever used the N-word? Any racist with a sense of self-preservation has only two real options. No. Or, hell no, I'm offended you would even ask me that. Excuse me, I have some tweets to scrub. Or maybe three. Yes, but I was listening to NWA. Feel free to leave a message. I'm busy revisiting my social media history. <laughs> but if you're Paula Dean, you go a different route. No, to so tell. In, so in 2013, Paula Dean was being sued for racial discrimination by the former general manager of her restaurant, Uncle Bubba's Seafood and Oyster House. Which, if racism were a restaurant... I was going to say, God damn. Uncle Bubba's Seafood and Oyster House would be it. So as part of the deposition for the lawsuit, she was asked some very specific questions about her attitudes toward race. Here's a multiple choice question for you. Okay. When asked if she had used the N-word, do you think Paula Deen said, No? Nah. What you talking about, Willis? Or, Yes, of course. I'm going to go with four because that sounds amazing. This is what we call being honest to a fault. Yeah. Yeah. Oversharing, maybe. I can almost respect the commitment to honesty in the face of career sabotage, except <laughs> that she followed it up by saying, my children and my brother object to that word being used in any cruel or mean behavior as well as I do. So to clarify, white people, feel free to use the N-word as long as you have personally determined that it's not cruel or mean. What? What? I'm I'm trying to just even parse where her brain was. Like, was she was she known as an alcoholic? I kind of feel like she was. Here's the thing. I think the only reason you would admit to using the N-word 
is if you know there's some evidence of you using the N-word. <laughs> so she's like, you already have the tapes, mm-hmm. you miserable bastard. I think she would have lied if she could have gotten away with it. But she was like, it's going to look even worse if I say no, and then people start digging. Right. Could have lied, I'm such a fool. My tapes will never, ever, ever keep their cool. Maybe it was a sex thing. Maybe there's an interracial orgy out there with oh. Paula Dean. She has a BBC fetish. Who knows? If the penis fits. <laughs> if the penis fits, you have no reason saying that word ever. God damn it. <laughs> and look, I get that she was raised in the South in a different era. I think it was the of course that really did it for me. Yeah, it's, it's almost up there with the duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't necessarily that she admitted to what she had said. Right. It was how she admitted it. If she had just soberly said, like, look, I have to be honest, during my younger days when the country was very segregated and it was a different time and I was ignorant and didn't understand the power of words, I did use that word flippantly without being fully aware of the consequences. Right. Some sort of conscious response. With some regret. Yeah. I think this would be a very different story if that were the case. I'm not letting her off the hook, but seriously, her lawyer sucked. Yeah. Who's this lawyer who was like, no, you're good. We'll put that in print. She was being sued for racial discrimination. Mm -hmm. And he didn't prep her on the appropriate response to, have you ever said the N-word? You have all the money in the world. You hired a lawyer from like a highway billboard. How did this happen? Are you being sued for racism? I will cover you for racism. I don't even get a cut unless you get off. Call me www.derpaderp.com. <laughs> Her shows were canceled, and so was she. And rightly so. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> if any man can dodge as many cancellations as that man can, like... There were some things he couldn't dodge. It, it's, it's all true, but still, like, God damn. Two and a Half Men was a TV show. So this show starred John Cryer and... Charlie Sheen's crazy ass. For anyone who doesn't know, Charlie Sheen has an extensive history of spousal abuse, sex addiction, and drug use. He was famously the only confirmed celebrity client of Heidi Fleiss, <laughs> as we talked about before. On the plus side, probably a pretty cool dad. Or at least permissive. He wasn't giving you a hard time about curfew. No. He, you'd be lucky if you remembered you existed. <laughs> yeah. He was probably sharing his stash. Yeah. In 1980, when he was engaged to Kelly Preston, he shot her. Oh, okay. With a gun. As one does to your fiancé. He claimed it was an accident. He was arrested in 1996 for assaulting another girlfriend slash actress, Brittany Ashland. Mm. She received seven stitches. In 2009, he was arrested for holding a knife to his then-wife's throat. So, you know, this was a solid casting decision for this television show. Right. Two and a half men. Uh, I'm sure the half wasn't actually referring to the child. It was referring to Charlie Sheen. He was less than half a man. Yes. <laughs> half a conscience. Yes. If that. <sighs> One of John Cryer's memories of Charlie Sheen from his uh, memoir, Sheen busted into his trailer in a panic and gave him a huge bag of porn to hide because his ex-wife, Denise Richards, was dropping by. Uh, Okay. Was his ex-wife really upset that her philandering, domestic-abusing, drug-addict ex-husband was watching porn? Yeah, like, this sounds like, did you check the porn contents? Was it child porn? Like, what's he going on there? it was normal porn. So he did check the contents. Oh, yeah. You okay. got it. When Charlie Sheen hands Burst you a bag of porn. Yeah, you're like, what is this about? <laughs> and also, you know, there might be some good stuff in there. Uh, you can afford the good stuff. 
So, of course, Charlie Sheen quickly became the highest paid actor on television because acting isn't a real job. I'm not going to go with you on that one, but I will say because we live in the opposite world like an SNL. This movie idea sucks. We will give you too much money. And drugs. And drugs. But that wasn't enough for Charlie Sheen, who started demanding another raise, possibly to pay his legal fees after yet another assault accusation by a prostitute in 2010, shortly after his divorce from Brooke Mueller, who wrote in the subsequent restraining order, quote, I am very concerned that Sheen is currently insane. Valid. Sheen got his raise, but when he returned to work after his arrest, he was on a downward trajectory. I would say he was kind of always on a downward I was going to say, he was, he was then on a downward trajectory? Was a I think very, you were just sort of, you caught him mid-graph. Like it was just it was, a very long yeah, curve. It was a dude. slow, slow, like he was hand gliding towards the ground without any hand on any bar. It was a parabola. Yeah. He became more and more erratic, screwing up his lines. He even had to hold on to a couch once to get through a scene without falling over. Eventually, he demanded $3 million an episode to continue working. At the time, he was making about $2 million an episode. And his explanation for the raise request was, I'm tired of pretending I'm not special. He's special. I'll give him that. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you have already proved your speciality. The final straw was when Charlie Sheen called Chuck Lorre, the guy who created Two and a Half Men, a clown. Good job judging your targets there, Sheeny Poo. Because apparently that was the breaking point. (laughs) I will put up with a lot of shit from people. Don't call me a clown. If you want to abuse women, you feel free. If you want to do drugs on set and run around with bags of porn, what did you call me? Yeah. (laughs) You said what? They replaced Sheen with Ashton Kutcher. Sheen harassed Kutcher constantly, threatening to put him in the hospital. He told Chuck Lorre to suck my fucking butt. You know, mm. like sane people do. I was going to say, like like normal, sane, mature, multimillionaire adults do. Human centipede insults are kind of the last straw. Yeah. yeah. Fun facts. Charlie Sheen is an anti-vaxxer and a 9-11 truther. Got it. Shocking. Yeah. He revealed on November 15th, 2017, that he is HIV positive. Mm. Well, I wouldn't wish that diagnosis on anyone, but if there's one person in the world who sort of, like, earned it... Considering his behavior, I would say, if you can't say earned it, he definitely got there honestly. He earned it as in, like, it seems like he was trying for it. Yeah. Just I... tons of sex with prostitutes, supposedly, like, never used protection. Mm-hmm. All kinds of drug use, I'm sure, probably some intravenous stuff. I mean, it just feels like he had a goal. Yeah, and the goal was self-destruction. So, congratulations, bro. You hit your mark. Well done. Mission accomplished. Well done. Shannon Doherty was fired from not one but two television shows. Kind of impressive. She actually beat Charlie Sheen on the number of TV shows fired from list. All right. But only by one. Yeah. So he's still in the running. That's still double. That's a 100% increase (laughs) in number of shows she was fired from. You couldn't call that like a 50%? No, okay. I don't do math. And what makes it really impressive is that she did it sober. Wow. I mean, at least that's what you think. Yeah. We don't have a lot of proof from back then because mm. I know one was 90210 and there wasn't like, multimedia back then. Well, she wasn't publicly wasted like Charlie Sheen was. Like, at yeah. least Charlie Sheen, he could say something terrible and be like, that's the coke talking. <laughs> Shannon Doherty. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Shannon Doherty had to be like, that's my personality. Yeah. <laughs> 
She was actually a child actress growing up with a role on a popular and painfully awful show called Little House on the Prairie. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oof. Nope, never once. Hated it. Mm. But she eventually shot to fame in the massively popular Beverly Hills 90210 in the 90s. Right. In which she played Brenda Walsh. And she was a notorious high-maintenance pain in the ass. She was fired from the show after a physical altercation with her co-star Jenny Garth. Hmm. It was actually Tori Spelling, the niece of the show's creator Aaron Spelling, who convinced the producers to kick her off the show. Aaron Spelling, apparently a glutton for punishment, huge masochist, uh, in 1998, he cast Doherty again in a god-awful sitcom called Charmed. Oh, that's right. She was in Charmed. With Alyssa Milano. Yes, 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 yes. She was killed off of that show after the inevitable clash with her co-star. Just count down to clash. It's going to happen. We just know it's... All right, what, what, how's this watch going? Isaiah Washington played the character Preston Burke on Grey's Anatomy. Okay. I don't know any of the characters by name. I was going to say, I, I never even saw the show. I, know. I know that he wasn't McDreamy or McSteamy or McDouble or whatever the hell it was. There was something <laughs> that had to do with... <laughs> Was that the fat one? What, I don't know anyway. All kinds of Mick hotness on that show that was like a big deal. And he wasn't one of those. He did play a doctor, apparently the one who was engaged to Sandra Oh on the show. So there. Who's Sandra Oh? Exactly. I don't watch TV. You have watched Killing Eve. That's Sandra Oh. That's Sandra Oh. Gotcha. Yeah. Isn't she gay? I, I don't know. Okay. Speaking of, Isaiah Washington was kicked off the show... Mm. after a physical altercation with the show's male lead, Patrick Dempsey. Mm. But the real kicker is that during the altercation, he referred to one of the other cast members using the F word, mm. not fuck. No, I got the bundle of sticks. Derogatory word for a gay person. Right. His exact quote was apparently, I'm not your little right. F word like TR. Mm. Problem is, the actor TR Knight was gay, and was still in the closet. Huh. So Isaiah Washington used a homophobic slur and simultaneously outed a gay man. Pretty solid for a day's work. Yeah, well, well done, asshat. That's a real one-two punch to his old career there. I was going to say, <laughs> and you're out. He then doubled down by denying it at the Golden Globes, but using the same word in the denial. He said, no, I did not call TR a... Mm. Mm. Yeah. You kind of lose credibility when you're so quick to drop the F-bomb and you're denial of dropping the F-bomb. I mean, why are you denying this at all if it's that close to people's memories? Like it's, There were witnesses. And there were witnesses, right. You're not thinking this through. He, Again, be a smarter he, criminal. Yeah. The person who yells the F-bomb at a gay person on a set, probably not thinking a lot of things through. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about sexual harassment. I recently aced my quiz at work. <laughs> there are so many instances of sexual assault and harassment in pronounced harassment. the TV industry. We're just going to briefly count down a few of the shows that have been rocked by sexual harassment scandals. I mean, couldn't you really just say showbiz? Showbiz in general. And done. And every other industry also. Touche. But especially showbiz. Mm -hmm. Where they're like, hey, so I need you to strip naked... And this is how we're going to cast you for this role. I think it's the most visible in showbiz, but yeah. I think it's kind of everywhere. It's, it is. House of Cards. <laughs> oh, Spacey, I met you once. I know. You were a big Kevin Spacey fan. This might be a little tough to swallow here. I mean, oh, phrasing. It's, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. 
That was it was not cool, bro. It wasn't that kind of meeting. You were working that shift with me. You were there. I did not meet Kevin Spacey. No, you were working the same shift. It was oh. at Just Desserts. He came in on College Avenue. I remember you telling me about it. I didn't know that I yeah. had... You re- were there. You were down working the cakes. Oh. I was working the cash register. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I know. I had the opportunity to be potentially harassed. I was not harassed. He mostly was just like, who is this I jackass know, but talking I'm to I'm sexier than you. Actually, at the time, I was way sexier. That's true. Yeah. 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 It's like how Democrats have become Republicans and Republicans became Democrats yeah. over time. We switched on the sexiness meter. It's true. It's all true. And then converged because now we're both. We're both not that pretty. sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we're just kind of older. <laughs> so Kevin Spacey was the darling of Hollywood for years. He was the winner of two Academy Awards, probably most well-known for those particular roles, the problematic creeper Lester Burnham in American Beauty. Mm. And, of course, as Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. Indeed. Spoiler alert. Yes. Sorry, not sorry. That movie is massively overrated. I just save you two hours. You and I agree on a lot of things. Certain areas we don't overlap. I liked that movie. I would not say I loved that movie. I've seen it maybe twice. Hmm. And it's okay for us not to like the same things. It's like the Venn diagram of our lives. Like in the center is like music and politics and books and art. And then the outer circles are just like the boondock saints. Mm. Loves me some boondock saints. Terrible, terrible film. (laughs) (laughs) At the time of Spacey's downfall, he was playing corrupt politician Frank Underwood in the highly rated Netflix original House of Cards. Right. At least until 2017, when he was accused of predatory behavior by actor Anthony Rapp, who claimed that Spacey had made inappropriate advances when Rapp was 14 years old. That single accusation opened the floodgates, and there have now been more than 30 purported victims, and Spacey has been charged with felony sexual assault. Yeah. 30 is a lot. That's Cosby numbers. You're up there. I mean, 29, sure. Yeah, but you, know, you hit that big three Jeebus. <laughs> in a textbook example of delusional narcissism, Spacey subsequently released a video, not directly addressing the allegations, but taking veiled jabs at his detractors, and he did it in the character of Frank Underwood. Have you seen this video? No. It's the weirdest, creepiest, most ill-advised pseudo-confession slash vanity video i've ever witnessed you and apparently you've witnessed a few because you're saying like of the <laughs> all of this library that i have stocked in my noggin that's true the bar isn't super high right but still <laughs> I, I get what you're trying to say like super duper creepy like did you actually even run this by any pr anybody right again again like, with the pr like the, this is why these people exist because they're there to be your media conscience so the video starts with him washing his hands in the kitchen He's like wearing an apron like he's been cooking. And here's some of the direct quotes from the video. And he does it in the kind of southern drawl of Frank Underwood. Okay. So he's in character. Still in character. Okay. I showed you exactly what people are capable of. I challenged you and made you think. And you trusted me even though you knew you shouldn't. Things not to say (laughs) in a believe me, I didn't do this video. (laughs) incriminating statements for $500, Alex. He plays it as though it's some type of inside joke with kind of like winks and nods to real-life events. It's just crazy. Yeah, this is one of those moments where, like, yeah, you're an actor, but you realize you're in real life now. He doesn't realize that. It's yeah. He does it in the character of an unscrupulous lowlife who lied to the public and was eventually brought down by the truth. That's the character of Frank Underwood. So do you realize, like, what you're implying here? 
It was like a weird meta cell phone. Yeah. Hold my beard detractors. <laughs> I will take myself down. And ultimately, the video seems to be an attempt to try to get fans to demand that he be brought back to the show. It was like a misguided attempt at a call to action. Right. He thought fans were going to rise up and start petitioning Netflix. And apparently getting back on the show was his biggest concern at this point. So again, real good grip on reality. Yeah, this is what happens when you buy into your own legend. Reading your own news clippings. like mm. This is a god complex. You just think you're untouchable. And he probably doesn't even think he did anything wrong because the world exists to provide him with what he wants. I mean, it has thus far. Why would it change now? Right. Everything about it gives me the creeps. You know, I understand people are flawed. They have addictions and issues. I've had plenty of my own. But this is like an era where you have to just take responsibility. You have to self-reflect. And Kevin Spacey isn't doing any of that. Dude, I, I did that before this era. I spent, that's, why, that's what therapy is. You go into therapy, you self-reflect. You're like, oh, wow, I was an absolute reprehensible piece of shit. Got to fix that. And you, you attempt to do so. You don't like, hey, I'm going to double down and be an extra coded <laughs> piece of shit. Film that shit and then give it to other people so that they can watch that shit. You do if you're... Kevin Spacey. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah, Frank Underwood was promptly killed off between seasons. House of Cards continued for one final season without him. And probably, honestly, wasn't that great. A lot of crazy people good at what they do. It's a great actor. Yeah. I didn't like Usual Suspects, but he's a good actor. Matt Lauer. In 2014, Matt Lauer was dispatched to Sochi, Russia, to cover the Winter Olympics for NBC's Today Show. Matt Lauer. Wasn't he a news guy? Yeah, so he had been the co-host of the Today Show for, like, decades, mm. alongside co-hosts like Katie Couric, Meredith Vieira, and Curry. He was making around $25 million a year. Not too shabby. Highly respectable. Until November 29th, 2017, when he was abruptly terminated from the show as a result of sexual harassment allegations. The initial story was that when he was in Sochi, he had made unwanted advances to one of his female staff members, during the ensuing investigation, it was revealed that he had also been engaged in a longtime affair with a different woman, one of his production assistants. She says she was pressured into the months-long affair, often meeting him surreptitiously in his dressing room, presumably to uh, play Scrabble. <laughs> we can't prove anything. Yeah. Could have been Scrabble. Could have been Scrabble. Could have been checkers. More accusations followed. He was accused of giving an employee a sex toy along with a note that detailed how he wanted to use it on her. Not the best choice for your white elephant gift. Mm. He was accused of dropping his pants in front of another staffer and berating her when she declined the implied invitation. That takes a certain amount of... of Moxie. I, I hesitate to say balls, but yeah. You dare? You dare look at the royal <laughs> ween and say no? You dare? Your dick isn't that great. I don't... Honestly, Matt Lauer, it's not. Dude, if you had look $100 million, you you've got $100 million in the bank, I'm not going to be like, well, that is a $100 million penis. I'm going to be like, no, you have $100 million in the bank, and that is a $50 dick. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Men all have this thing about thinking that their dick is irresistible. I've and never once thought that ever. No dick is irresistible. No, dicks are imminently irresistible. <laughs> they are. I've seen some, honestly, in like porn where I've been like, that's a good dick. Yeah, that's a very pretty penis. And I would say no. I could still resist. <laughs> I would say, no, that, that does not go in my mouth or any orifice I have. Kindly fuck off. Hmm. 
According to a Variety magazine interview with one of the show's former producers, quote, he couldn't sleep around town with celebrities or on the road with random people because he's Matt Lauer and he's married. So he'd have to do it within his stable where he exerted power and he knew people wouldn't ever complain. Mm. Basically, he treated his employees like a harem. He even had a button installed on a desk in his office so that he could lock the door from inside the office without having to get up. Which is just a creepy-ass move. Like, that's a mobster move. That's some booby-trap Dr. Evil shit. Yeah. Did he also have a trap door over a shark tank? Or like, a flamethrower pit? I'm not dead. I'm just <laughs> very badly burned. <laughs> I just picture him, like, stroking a cat. Yes. Just with the Come evil. in. Come in, yes. <laughs> Other notable television celebrities we're not going to go into, but uh, were ousted by a sex harassment allegations. Bill O'Reilly, uh, Charlie Rose, uh, some other Fox News, Rupert Murdoch. Basically, all of Fox News is pretty much just a cesspool of... Uh, Racism, sexual harassment, and rage. Fox News is just a bunch of dominoes waiting to fall. <laughs> is what it They're is. just wobbling. Let's talk about another allegation of sexual harassment that actually kind of turned out differently. David Letterman. Right. He's an example of a guy who semi-survived an allegation combined with an extortion attempt. Hmm. It's actually an interesting story. So Robert J. Joe Halderman was a... J. Joe Halderman? I believe it's Robert J. and the J stands for probably Joseph, and thus he went by Joe. This is my assumption. Okay. Because I was going to say, why the fuck would you name yourself or anyone name you Robert J. Joe Halderman? I was like, why would it just be Robert J. J. Halderman? J. Jonah Jameson. He was a successful TV executive who had even received an Oscar nomination for a documentary he wrote and produced. This was a well-paid, highly esteemed guy who was not hurting for money mm. and at the time was working as a producer on a true crime show, 48 Hours. Oh. Ironic. You think a guy producing true crime would know how these stories usually end? Yeah. You'd be like, hmm, I've got some history here to work with, uh, a little bit of, you know, casting notes. But for some reason, he decided to blackmail David Letterman. Turns out it was the result of good old-fashioned romantic jealousy and bitterness. Hmm. The 52-year-old Halderman had been dating Stephanie Burkett, a 34-year-old assistant to David Letterman. Turns out that one of David Letterman's favorite hobbies was banging his assistants. Okay. And one of Stephanie Burkett's favorite hobbies was journaling. Oh, no. Halderman found her diary along with some incriminating emails that confirmed her affair with Letterman, and he was unthrilled. He printed some of the emails and copied pages of the diary, wrapped it all up in a neat little extortion bundle, <laughs> and shipped it off to Letterman, threatening to go public and demanding $2 million. He wasn't assaulting this woman, right? Like, it, this was consensual. No, it was consensual, yeah. Yeah, so basically all the guy would be revealing is that you fucked somebody, but he's married, right? It was one of his direct employees, and David Letterman was doing this with a bunch of his young direct employees. Like, some of them were even younger. She was in her 30s, which isn't that bad, but, like, some of them were young interns and things he was basically fucking everyone that worked for him which again we've talked about in right. this era can get you in some serious trouble yeah. i'm actually kind of mystified as to what happened next because two million dollars isn't anything to david letterman no it seems like his reputation would have been more valuable i'm actually kind of surprised he didn't go for this well because the reason why you don't negotiate with hostage takers or, or with terrorists and the reason why you don't give money to blackmailers is because it never goes away and it yeah. always increases. This guy wasn't going to quit. Like, if he gave in, there'd be, it'd be $3,000 next time. $3 million next time. I was going to say, that is a significant downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Dude lost some zeros. This is, did not know how to negotiate. So, 
David Letterman went to the cops. They arranged a sting operation. They cut a fake check for $2 million and arrested Halderman when he cashed it. Hmm. Imagine the kind of money this dude had that he felt confident walking into a bank and cashing a $2 million check. Right. Even if I had a legitimate $2 million check from David Letterman, the security guard at any bank in America would immediately tackle me the second I tried to cash a $2 million check. Where'd you get this from? This ain't your check. They would hit me with a taser post-haste. So Halderman was arrested, but you can't arrest someone's mouth. Mm. So it was clear to David Letterman that the story would come out at that point. Right. So on that very night's broadcast of the show, Letterman fessed up. Mm. He didn't even sugarcoat it. He said, quote, I have had sex with women who work for me. He then apologized to his wife. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Lucky for David Letterman, this all happened before hashtag Me Too hit. And this is just a great example of how much things have changed over the last decade. You know, a man who cheated on his wife multiple times with young interns and women who worked directly under him probably be out on his ass in today's climate. At the time, Letterman was able to just kind of move forward. Mm. Yeah. Final. Well, we've talked a lot about modern scandals. Let's go into a classic TV scandal. Oh. The quiz show scandals of the 50s. Oh, like the $20,000 question or whatever the hell it was? In the 1950s, there were some super popular quiz shows on television, and it turned out that a few of them were fixing the results. Hmm. The most famous initially was a show called The $64,000 Question. That's what it was. Which is pretty self-explanatory. Want to guess how much the prize was? One million dollars. You're right. It's a million dollars. <laughs> That's an arbitrary amount of money. Yeah. $64,000 question. Like, I would love to have been in the pitch meeting. How much should we give these people? Mashy? $100,000? $10,000? No, it's got to be something. One million dollars. Sit down, Billy, you stupid idiot. You, in the corner, the quiet guy. 64000 Brilliant. Like, <laughs> it's the $39,752 question. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it actually, so it turns out, that's the $64 question was a common saying back in the day. It was like how we might say, that's the million-dollar question. Before there was a $64,000 quiz show, people used to say, that's the $64 question. What was with the amount of 64? I don't know. But there was the time when television producers were really concerned with marketability and how their contestants were perceived. They didn't want the wrong kind of person winning the game. Mm. And the wrong kind of person was anyone who wasn't an attractive white Protestant male. The first time the show was ever broadcast, there were no shenanigans involved, and it was a dismal ratings failure. Hmm. The contestants did horribly. They answered zero questions correctly. <laughs> it was a flop. So dumb white idiots who were very pretty. So they went a different route. Very similar to what we call reality TV today, contestants were cast for specific characteristics in order to sway the audience and just like with reality TV today, what they referred to as reality was mostly choreographed and scripted. Right. Contestants favored by the audience were given the questions ahead of time. The ensuing scandal worked its way up to congressional hearings. It transfixed the nation. And it all kind of toppled down. And now shows have to, like, verify that they're playing fair. So they've gotten better at lying. Got it. <laughs> Probably. Because I don't believe this shit at all. So that was Television Scandals, our third in our Scandal series, and we'll probably do one more. Indeed. And this is going back thanks to Jack. Yeah, Jack and... just messaged me another idea that probably we'll end up using. Jack is a fount of good ideas. There you go, Jackie. 
Now it's plug time. We meant to do this in the beginning, but we didn't. Please don't sign off yet. Insomniac's inbox at Gmail. This is your pipeline to us. It's going to be a new bi-monthly episode that we're going to be putting out purely for our fans. It's your opportunity to interact with us. Hey, you guys missed this. Hey, you guys should do this. Whatever it is, Insomniac's inbox at Gmail. You'll be part of the episodes. Alternately, you can call area code 408-596-4603 and leave a voicemail message for us. And we'll play that on the podcast, on Insomniac's inbox, the new episode, and you'll hear yourself, and we will answer as though you were in the womb. Yeah. And uh, still, I don't have any shows coming up, but we're starting to open up, and hopefully I'll have some comedy shows to announce soon. Nothing on that front right now. Do keep sending us suggestions. Those are really helpful. We have a bunch of shows in the pipeline now, so if you send us a suggestion, it will be a little while before we get to it, but we will get to it, and those really do help out. So keep sending those suggestions in, you guys. Those help a lot. And check out our merch. Check out our Instagram. Shane just had a, a brilliant idea. Masks are going to be made now. Yeah. So if you want to rep the show with a mask, you can be a true insomniac. I just ordered my first Midnight Facts for Insomniac's mask. You didn't order me one? You miserable bastard. Yeah, well, I'll uh, let you know how it goes. Yeah. Hopefully, COVID will just be over. In a couple weeks. COVID will be I'm, canceled. I'm, I'm holding out hope. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> now I'm sad. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Knowledge is power. Sleep is overrated. <laughs>